Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. What's going on? Welcome into another game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans continue their five-game road trip tonight. It's game number four. They're in Dallas to take on the Mavericks. And joining us today is Derek Harper, who has his number 12 retired for the Dallas Mavericks. He's also their TV analyst as well. He's kind enough to join us to help preview the game. Hello, Derek. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you. I'm telling you the yeah, absolutely. Things are, are changing a little bit as we uh, just begin this podcast. Lonzo Ball and Steven Adams are out for tonight along with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. So we'll get to tonight's matchup in a little bit, but I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks just for a second. They are on the second night of a back-to-back and play the Memphis Grizzlies last night. The Pelicans played Memphis on Monday night. What happened last night in Memphis there, Derek, for the Mavericks? Yeah, it was a very flat game last night. I think you have to look at who they were playing. A desperate team in Memphis still trying to uh, get in the play-in situation. So I, I don't think Dallas matched their intensity. Uh, they made a lot of threes, which isn't really their forte as a team, but they got hot from the three-point last night. And the thing that I'll give Memphis a lot of credit for is that they play extremely hard night in and night out. They give the effort. And you couple that with the fact that they were making their shots. We were a little bit stagnant offensively, didn't shoot it particularly well. And when we don't make shots, we have a different, different time being successful. Let's talk a little bit about, obviously, your team has been dealing with some injuries, but more importantly, Christoph Porzingis, who's missed the last seven games. And this uh-huh. is questionable, but he might be able to return tonight. What impact does that bring, especially in their, in their last handful of games as they're trying to fight for seeding here in the Western Conference? Well, surely you want everybody playoffs in a couple of weeks. Uh, KP adds a, a crazy dynamic. This is a big that can stretch the floor. Of course, he averages nine rebounds a game. And um, just uh, another guy that you can get offense from. The thing is, is that the Mavericks were five and two without him. So where they need KP, I don't think we, we, we get out of the first round if KP is not healthy. I still think it's important for from a continuity standpoint that he's on the floor, he's back in rhythm, and that he finds himself in the mix as we move forward to the uh, to the playoffs. 
Despec maybe a, a minutes restriction for him, or at least in these three games. It's just just trying to get him used to, like you mentioned, the continuity is trying to get him back with his teammates, just the gel as they head into that first round. I don't think there's any doubt that Coach Carlisle and the staff will kind of monitor how long he's on the floor. I don't think you can afford another setback. And Dallas, they're pretty good at as an organization when it comes to making sure a guy is ready to go, opposed to just throwing him out on the floor hoping that he's ready, and then there's a setback. So if he's out there more than 20 minutes, I'd be surprised. Who has stepped up in his absence? Who's been a guy that's really stepped up and kind of leading them to that 5-2 and two record when he's been gone this, in this recent injury? It's been done collectively, but if I had to pick one guy, I would go with Tim Hardaway Jr. This guy over the last 12 games averaging 20 points, uh, regular season just 16, but he's shooting the three, 39% from the three-point line. He's had some huge games. I mean, 42 points, 32 points, uh, 25 points a couple of times while KP was out. And the thing I'll give the Mavericks credit for doing, the way they build their team was with a lot of depth as a team. And they're very deep. Uh, Dory Finney-Smith has been fantastic as a player. Josh Richardson has had some real solid nights for Dallas. But, you know, one guy down, another guy has to step up. That's the way the NBA is. Unfortunately for Dallas, they've had some guys to do so. I want to check in on my guy, Nico Melli. I know J.J. Redick is, is out tonight, but just uh, how has Nico Melli been fitting in with Dallas since the trade there? You know, I think Dallas is an easy team to, to fit with when you're traded to it or picked up as a free agent, whatever the case, and mainly because of Luka. And where Melli's numbers have fluctuated, they've been kind of up and down, roller coaster like since he's been a Maverick with minutes, He's been pretty solid. I don't think he's making shots uh, the way he has in the past as a player. That's kind of been a problem for him knocking down threes, but he fits well because he brings different intangibles to the game. He's just, he's not just a one dimensional player. Plays hard, he's smart, 50 uh, 50 balls, he's big on. He really does a good job from that standpoint. And I think down the stretch, of, of, of this run in the playoffs, provided we get there and, and try to make some noise. I think Melly is going to play a role because he is so versatile as a player. Uh, James Johnson will make his return to Dallas as well, as that was part of the trade with J.J. Redick and, of course, Wessa Wundu as well. We, we've kind of mm-hmm. gotten to know James a little bit. We've enjoyed him playing. Um, what did you like about his game when you were with Dallas? What did you notice about him before getting traded to the New Orleans? Well, one, he has a, a unique pedigree. You play in Miami and you're just built for toughness, uh, defense. Uh, he's also versatile. He can pass the basketball. He can rebound it. And he, he makes winning plays, if you understand what I mean, meaning that, you know, he, he'll make the right pass at the right moment. Uh, he'll get a key rebound for you. I think James Johnson is kind of underrated, even at this, this uh, stage in his career. I think he can help a solid basketball team. And when he went to New Orleans, he, he played well initially. He was really good. I kind of kept my eye on him when he when he left here in Dallas because I, as much as I understood the trade for J.J., I, I knew the Mavericks would miss a guy like James Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. And James has been averaging – he averaged 17 points in his first three games. So you're right. He really yeah. got off to, to a good absolutely. start. We certainly love having especially on a young team like the Pelicans, having that veteran presence has been really good. Um, do the Mavericks feel – look, they're, they're – I'm sure they're scoreboard watching right now with the Blazers and the Lakers as they're fighting for five, six, and seven. With uh-huh. this added playing tournament, does it add a little bit more pressure to them as far as finishing this season strong in order to avoid 
that seven through 10 uh, playing tournament? I, I don't think there's any doubt that it has everybody's attention. Those are dreaded words for a lot of teams play in tournament, because I think a lot of times this time of the year, people are trying to rest their stars um, and, and, and moving forward to trying to prepare for the playoffs. But I like it. I like that the pressure is on because if you're successful, you can carry that right into the playoffs. We're 10 and three over the last 13 games. That was without KP, uh, Chris Stapps. It was also without Maxi Cleaver, who's a big part of the Mavericks' success. So I think this team is really focused on trying to get that fifth spot and realize that the only way they're going to get it is to finish the season off strong. Um, pressure is a part of the game, and I think you embrace pressure and you're better off and will have more of a chance to be successful. I know some people out there have voiced their displeasure for the play, and I know it's tougher for teams like the Mavericks who were in that seventh spot for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You got the Lakers currently holding that right now. What are your thoughts on the plane? Because as we are seeing here, look, the Pelicans, the only reason why they are still mathematically alive is because of the play. And you have teams inside there that are fighting for eight and nine because that's a big difference if you fall to that nine, ten matchup. What are your thoughts on the play? And as this is basically the second, I guess, first full year of it, second year mm -hmm. looking the bubble. Personally, personally, I like it. I, I, I think it holds teams accountable to finish out the season in, in a strong way. Um, I think it's the fact that it's new and some guys are being affected by it because they hadn't closed the season out like they would hope to have done. It, it bothers you. But the, the thing that I look at, it's, it gives more people an opportunity to be in the playoffs. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with the game being exciting from start to finish? And you have to pay attention to small details if you want to be in it. You can't rest players, uh, which I'm not a fan of. I think if you're a basketball player, you should play. And the playing is simply making teams play, go all the way down to the wire if they want to be in the situation to be in the playoffs. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think it's been great, not only for just trying to get in, but also those seating seven through 10 has yeah. made things interesting um, for a lot of teams heading down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And before I let you go here, I appreciate the time, Derek. Uh, look, this is a Pelicans team. We mentioned that they are riddled with injuries right now. And as we were talking for the five stars are out, mm -hmm. but also this is a young team that's been playing very hard. There's a lot of guys that have to prove, uh, have a lot to prove. How dangerous is that for a team like the Mavericks that, you know, some could, not just saying Dallas will do this, but you can easily overlook a team like the Pelicans with all those injuries. How dangerous is a team that at the end of the season is playing really hard right now and it's yeah. a young team that really has nothing to lose at this point? <laughs> Listen, I think teams that don't have anything to lose, to your point, very dangerous all the time. For example, we lost to Sacramento uh, three times in that little run that we're 10 and 13. or, or I'm sorry, that we're 10 and we won 10 out of the last 13 games. So you have to pay attention. And I think the key for avoiding what you're talking about, Daniel, is that you, you, you can't give a, a team that's bad and that's down any life. If you jump on this team early, I don't think there's any way possible that they can beat the Mavericks. The Mavericks on paper, a better basketball team. I think we both agree with that. So I, I don't think you can allow a team like that's hampered like the Pelicans to gain any momentum, any confidence as a team. And you handle your business from that perspective and you get your uh, 40, 41st win of the season if you're Dallas. 
how much have you been able to see what the Pelicans have done since the last matchup, which came, you know, in, in March, um, again, you know, March 27th at home. What have you seen from, I know, again, no Zion, no BI, but have you been able to take a look at the Pelicans and what they've been able to do? Yeah. What do you see from some of their young guys that have been able to step up? You know, I'll say what you just echoed. I'll echo the same sentiments. This team plays hard. That's a credit to Coach Van Gundy. He gets these guys ready to, to go. The problem with the Pelicans is that, one, they're very young as a basketball team. And you don't see a lot of young, successful teams this time of the year uh, in the NBA. The other problem that they've had all year long, not just recently, they've lost a lot of close games I mean, where they've had leads down the stretch and they just give games away. They've given away probably 12, 13 games. You know better than I do. But yeah. they have had control of games down the stretch of games and they haven't been able to close out games. And I think that's one of the reasons why one game will eliminate them or a loss by San Antonio, I think, whatever the case is. I think this team needs polish. They need experience. It's all that this team is lacking. I love Stan as a coach. I think he does a tremendous job as a coach. You just have to find a way to mature fast. And that's not easy to do. It's hard to go find guys like James Johnson that can have an impact on young guys. And we, we're kind of in the same boat. We just have so much talent with our youth that we're able to overcome that. But I think all in all, all the, the Pelicans need is some more experience as a team. And I think they're going to be fine moving forward. Absolutely. Great stuff. That's Derek Harper again. Mavs legends number 12 retired there inside American Airlines Center. And, of course, also he's the television analyst for the yeah. Mavs, so he'll be on the call tonight uh, for Dallas. Derek, I really appreciate the time. You got it, uh, no getting problem. to know you as well, and uh, happy game day. And have a great call tonight. Thank you. Anytime, buddy. There he goes. That's Derek Harper. Really appreciate the time on this game day. It's a late one for the Pelicans, 8 p.m. Central, as the Mavericks are coming off of a back-to-back. -back. I'll have Pelicans warmer for you on the radio side at 7.30. Bally Sports in New Orleans will also have it with pregame coverage starting at 7.30. And then Joel, Antonio, and Jen will have the call at 8. Again, it's very critical for the Pelicans. It's simple. You have to win all three games, starting with tonight, and the Spurs have to lose all four of their games. They will play the Brooklyn Nets tonight, and we'll take on the Knicks tomorrow on a back-to-back. -back, and then they end on a back-to-back -back against the Phoenix Suns on Saturday and Sunday. So either a Spurs win or a Pelicans loss would eliminate them from playoff contention. Hopefully that's not the case tonight. Hope you can join us on the television or the radio or wherever you may finding the game. Appreciate your time today. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. And thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CTV.